All right. Hey, let me do a little pray, and then we'll get into it, eh? Is that all good? Yeah. Yeah, morena atua. <coughs> hey, thanks for this amazing, not just the story of Christmas, but the reality um, behind it, the birth of God. <laughs> um, just mind-blowing, eh? Can you... Um, settle my heart this morning, give me some clarity of thought and wisdom as I preach, um, give us uh, that cool ability that you do sometimes to, to just miss the, the weird bits I'm going to say, but to, to get the good bits that you really want us to hear, God. Uh, we know you speak to us because you love us and care about us, so help us to leave this morning with a, a greater understanding of who you are, God, that's the core of our life, eh? Yeah, I pray all this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Hey, and kia ora to the podcast people, kia ora to the video people, good to see you, eh? I talked to someone this week who's kind of part of our church, and they had been missing church for ages, and so they listened to like four podcasts all on the row, and thought it was good, which is a good thing. I was nervous when they were telling me, I was like, is this going to be like, and it was terrible, but they were like, it was good, so that's cool. All right, hey, so this is a bit of a weird sermon, so I wrote two sermons this week, as you do when you just got nothing to do as a pastor, and the first one I thought was a great sermon. But then it was one of those weird ones where God, I think God was like, eh, that's totally not the sermon for today. And so Wednesday morning I came in here stupidly early, made myself a lot of coffee because there was no one here, and wrote a whole new sermon. So if you think the sermon's rubbish, feel free to tell me, and that'll be like, I should have gone with sermon one. But I think this is a better sermon, so it's all good. Hey, so this is the, um, this is the title I gave it. So the humble birth of the creator of all things, right? The humble birth of the creator of all things. And I intentionally write the title kind of a little bit contradictory, right? Because you can see the contradiction pretty clearly. How can you be the creator of all things if you have a birth, right? <laughs> it doesn't make sense because therefore, did you really create everything? Did you create yourself? What's going on there? So I just want to really drill down a little bit to the actual birth story of, um, of Jesus. And I'm looking at the last of, this, of the carol, so the O Tidings of Comfort and Joy, the God rest ye merry gentlemen one which I thought had the weirdest title out of any carols. Anyone with me? It's just so weird, and this, it's old. Does anyone know how old this carol is? If you do, I will shout you a coffee, even though they're free on Sundays. Anyone? What did I hear? 1800s, older. Super old. Older than 1750s. 100. Close, but no cigar. Oh, you, shop, bro. No, this is the oldest carol we have, right? So this carol was written in the 1500s, which is mind-blowing, right? Oh, so shout out. I'll shout all of you coffees after church. Go to the thing. They'll make them. <laughs> Amazing, eh? I was, so this made me kind of freak out a little bit this week because I was like, whoa, this melts my brain that like 500 and something years ago, some dude's sitting in a house. I don't even know what they had 500 years ago. Thinking about God, thinking about the birth of Jesus and writing out this cool carol. And I was like, oh, that's just powerful. And then we've sung it for 500 something years. So its most famous appearance is in Charles Dickens' Um, Christmas Carol, it's reference, which is kind of cool, so super old, super old. So here's a verse, I'm going to unpack a, um, just one kind of phrase from this, so here's one of the verses of which we just sung, right? So in Bethlehem in Israel, the blessed babe was born and laid within a manger upon this blessed morn, the witch's mother Mary, it's really funny, I was googling this phrase, the witch's mother Mary did nothing taken scorn, so many people going, Mary was a witch, what the heck, it's on Google, I was like, what are you idiots? <laughs> Google's weird, right? So Mary's not a witch. That's not what they're saying, right? It's very old. Remember 1500s. The witch's mother Mary did nothing taken scorn. And that's the phrase I want to think about. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. 
So one of the big things we're gonna, I want to look at this morning is just the humility of Mary, which we're going to see in the humility of Jesus. And to me, the more you dig into the Christmas story, you just see how incredible Mary is, right? And you see how unbelievably humble she is. Um, and it's this, that line there, did nothing take in scorn. Everything pretty horrible happens to Mary, but yet she's not scornful about it. That's what it's saying. She, she takes it in humility. She takes it in, I'm the Lord's servant, like that cool verse. So that's what we're going to unpack a bit this morning. Um, one of the, the big things I want to kind of think about was what Luke said, wherever Luke is. Um, he said it last Sunday when he was doing the reading, and he, he said something like this, of all the ways for God to come to the planet, the arrival of Christ is incredible. And I thought that's so true. Look, of all the ways for God to finally come down here, this is not a Marvel story, right? This is not Avengers. It's completely the opposite to all that. So the, the kind of thing I want to unpack a little bit this morning is God, the creator and sustainer of all things, comes to the planet in the most ungodly way ever. Does it make sense? It's a way that you just, if you're God, why would you come in a barn to a virgin to the, the outcast? It's just crazy, right? So that's what I'm going to unpack a bit. Um, I'll start with a quick story. So I think I told you the story a couple of years ago, but I got the microphone so I can do whatever I want. Nah, it just fits really good, so I thought I'll tell it again. So um, this is a story about when uh, one of our daughters who lives in um, Wellington, she was born in America when we were living over there, and um, Joseph's obviously pregnant, <laughs> I was going to say, and Joseph's pregnant, which is kind of like, wow, what a surprise, having a baby. Um, Joseph's pregnant and super pregnant, one of those like, whoa, the baby's right at here, pregnancies, and had been having Braxton Hicks. So you know Braxton Hicks, right, which is where you, you have these massive contractions, and you go to the hospital, and they're like, eh, nothing happening, and you're like, dang it, um, for ages, right? And then finally, on Saturday night, massive contractions, full on, we're like, finally, yes, hospital, go. So we go to the hospital, super flash hospital, right? It was just, because it's America, we had insurance and all this crazy stuff. Um, go to the hospital, and they have a, a check it out, and they're like, nah, baby's definitely coming, but not yet, go home. And we were like, this is insanity. So this is Saturday night, this was about 10 o'clock or something. I was meant to preach at church, remember I was a youth pastor at this time, so I was meant to preach next morning, so I'm freaking out, so all night, I kind of slept, not really, but all night Joseph's up, down, <sighs> the whole contractions thing, and I'm waking up, where are we going? I'm, I'm going back to sleep, I'm trying to think about my sermon, it was just complete chaos. So then in the morning at about, I don't know, 6 o'clock, I can't remember, 6 or 6.30, I'm sort of asleep, and then Joseph's just like, the baby is coming now! And I was like, ah! And so it's like bags, car, and stuff. We lived on the fourth floor of this apartment, and so we're going down the stairs, and every time you get down to another flight, Joseph's like, oh, baby, the baby! And I'm just like, ah! Imagine the baby popping out, right? Now, backing up a little bit, um, we'd been on a tour of the hospital, as you do, right, to see the birthing suites. And this was like such a flash hospital, birthing suites, bath in there, beautiful beds, everything was amazing. And make sure you choose a cool playlist, like music to play while you're having the baby and all this kind of crazy stuff. So we'd planned all this, right, but now all out the window. So anyway, get to the car, and then the best thing any guy, I think, has ever heard in his life, which is... This baby is coming now, just drive! And I'm just like, and you can judge me if you want, but I was like, this is the one time in my life there is no speed limit. And I was just like, woo! So the speed limit was 30 miles an hour, and I was doing a lot more than that. I won't tell you what, because you might judge me. So we're just flying through um, Denver, racing to the hospital. We got to the hospital, and they don't have any parking, emergency parking. So I had to pull up outside the foyer, get Joe out with Joe, sorry to be gross, but doing the, oh my God! <laughs> and I'm like, ah! 
And then I had to jump back in the car and drive like two blocks to the car park building, grab all the bags, I run to the foyer, run into the foyer, and there's no Jose. So I'm like literally like running around with bag, and this nurse sees me, she comes boosting over, are you the lady that was having a baby? I'm like, yes! And she's like, she nearly had the baby in the foyer, so she's now up at the birthing suite, and I'm like, oh, you know, in the elevator, get up there, run to the room. Just as I got to the room, the doctor's checking, and he's like, oh my gosh, this baby is literally coming right now. And then he said, oh my gosh, the birthing suites, they had two birthing suites, are both being used. And we're like, what's going to happen? So they have a a backup kind of birthing suite that's more like a storeroom. And so they rush us into the storeroom, and it's literally all the walls are covered in gloves and storage stuff. And there's this ancient table on there. It was really low. So my daughter in Wellington, Saray, thought this was the coolest thing. Now, she's older. She's like, the coolest thing ever. I was born in a storeroom. I am legit, right? Anyway, and then the baby came out super fast, and that gross baby, and they're like, do you want to hold it? You're like, yeah, sure. And they look weird. And Anyway. Just to say, <laughs> the whole birthing suite tour and music and baths and everything, there's not even on the planet, right? Um, I've often wondered, and I say this kind of carefully, right? I've often wondered for Mary, um, growing up as a little girl in Israel, um, you, your whole life is having children. That's kind of the only reason you exist as a woman in Israel at this time. And I just wonder how many times had she gone to bed or been out in the fields working and thought, man, when I have a baby, it's going to be so cool going to have a husband, and he's going to have this cool job, and we'll move you. And then next minute, this angel turns up and goes, hey, you know your world? It's about to turn to absolute custard, right? Absolute custard. So there's this, this question again I want to unpack this morning. Of all the ways God could have come to the planet, why did he choose this way? Why this lowly and this humble? So, so why this? He, he could have chosen any way for Jesus to arrive, any point in human history for Jesus to arrive, but God chose this time, right? Um, there's this cool verse that Emily read before, thanks heaps, Emily, and I love this from Luke 1, 28 to 30. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And this is this key phrase, right? Confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you've found favor with God. So I used to make the mistake all the time of thinking... So Mary's obviously alone, right? So in, in the house she would have lived in, there's no rooms. It's just a one big thing. So she's obviously not at home, or if she is, everyone's out for some reason. She's out in the fields or something, and all of a sudden, boom, angel appears, right? And, it, and she's confused and disturbed, and I've always thought it's from the appearance of the angel. But, and you guys are way smarter than me, you see the line, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. So in other words, and this blows me away, it's nothing to do with the appearance of the angel, it's what the angel says, the greetings of the angel. And so you look at the greeting, and the angel says, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. So the question straight away is, what in that makes Mary confused and disturbed? What in the fact that the angel says, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is Why does that freak her out? Why does that make her go, ah, what's happening? So a couple of things, and then I've got this cool quote I want to read to you. One thing you've got to remember, there's been silence from God for 400 years, right? So apart from Zechariah, which Mary very likely didn't know about the angel appearing to Zechariah and all that, God has not spoken for 400 years. And so there's no, way she, there's no way people are like, oh, yeah, an angel appeared to Bob the other day, and John had a dream from God, and there's no prophets running around going, the Lord says, or saith, and the old King James. It's just not that for four, that's a long time, right? And now all of a sudden an angel appears and speaks from God and, and calls her favored, and so huge, right? But here's the other bit that I, I love this, and this is kind of what I want to think about this morning. Um, here's this quote from um, Leon Morris, who's a 
famous Bible guy, who cares? He says, what caused Mary to be greatly troubled? We might understand fear at the sight of an angel, as was Zechariah, but her distress is linked with the saying, evidently in her modesty, she did not understand why a heavenly visitant should greet her in such exalted terms. I just love the say. I'm going to get real emotional in the sermon, so yeah, I don't really care. The, the humility of Mary is incredible, right? She's this young, what, 12, 14-year-old virgin, probably living in poverty, completely illiterate, um, pretty irrelevant on the, on the scale of Israel at this time. And an angel appears to her and says, you are favored, and it's just, she's like, what? Why would you, I'm nothing, I'm nobody. I, I just love her humility, right? So this next thought, I, I, I've been wrestling with this all week from what Luke said the other Sunday, and so I want to say this real carefully, but and feel free to come and talk to me if you're like, ah, oh, and, and let's wrestle with this together. But this is where my brain's been going a lot this week. So Mary is incredibly humble and gentle and patient. We see that, right? You're with me, eh? Okay. So I wonder how much of these attributes Jesus inherited from his mother because he is also humble and gentle and patient. You with me, right? So Jesus is fully God and fully human, born of Mary and born of the Holy Spirit. And I never thought about this before, but we inherit many of our traits from our parents. So I know God himself is humble and gentle and patient with us, but so is Mary. So I wonder if one of the reasons Jesus is so humble and gentle is because Mary is. We need to be really careful to not only see Jesus as divine in his characteristics, as then we disconnect him from being fully human. Does that make sense? So I just kept, a lot of you looking at me crazy. So what I kept thinking is it's like I've always defaulted to go, the reason Jesus is patient and humble and follows God so closely is because he's divine. But in doing that, I totally discount the full humanity of Jesus. And, and the thing I kept wrestling with this week is, oh my gosh, God in choosing not just the time and the birth and all this, but in choosing Mary, and I'm going to say this real carefully, he needed to choose someone who was humble and patient because Jesus would exhibit the traits of his mother. You with me, eh? That just, that melted my brain a lot this week, right? Um, and you guys know it, but let me illustrate it like this. So as you know, Kelly is one of my kids at the back and they work in the cafe, right? And so I worked in the cafe two and a half days this last week because it was chaos and COVID people away and absolute madness. Um, and I was working in the cafe, and several times, different staff members would laugh and go, this is super weird, working with you, because it's like I'm working with a weird version of Killy. And the first time they said it, I was like, huh? And they were like, man, you have so many mannerisms and things you say and all this kind of stuff. That's exactly what Killy does. Now, I asked Killy if I could say the story. And I was like, well, of course. It's because they're my kid, right? So because they're kid. Now, there's some, some nurture things that people pick up, but there's also this nature stuff. And so it just kept making me think, man, I wonder how much of the humility, the patience, the, the gentleness of Jesus came, obviously from God, we know that, but also from uh, Mary, which just blows my brains, right? Um, the other big aspect of Mary's humility is that last verse, which I'll, I'll put on the screen in a minute, at the end of her interaction with the angel. So you guys know this because we talk about this every um, every Christmas, but it's super important to remember that as an unmarried woman being pregnant in their culture, she should be killed, right? So Old Testament law makes it very clear if you're found to be pregnant and you're not married, you should be stoned, right? 
And the reason is because you're being immoral. We don't want that immorality to, to infect the community. We're a sacred community. Now, Mary would know that, right? And so this is the part that always blows my brains. While Mary is listening to the angel, the more he talks about her becoming pregnant without a husband, the more her brain will be processing and going, oh my gosh, if I agree to this, do I get a chance to agree to it? It doesn't sound like I do, but if I do, then this could mean my death. Minimum would be total ostracization from family, society, everything, right? Which is why a lot of people think, and Nathan mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when he was preaching, it's why a lot of people think when Mary gets, when Mary and Joseph get to um, Bethlehem to have the baby, that there is no room. Because in Jewish culture, hospitality is off the charts. It's crazy. And the thought of a pregnant woman being given no room is just, it's insane. It would just never, ever happen. So you know that there's been gossip and stuff being said, and, it's like, and then they turn up and it's like, oh, you're right. It's Mary and Joseph, the one that's pregnant from God. What a load of blur. Oh, yeah, there's no room here. We don't want you, you immoral insert horrible words. <laughs> yeah, and, and to me, all this is going through Mary's head while the angel was speaking, right? Minimum ostracized. She doesn't know, is there an angel going to Joseph right now? She doesn't know, right? But, but I love, and I know we all love it, right? This is, I think, just about everyone's favorite Mary verse. So she's processing all that, death, family kicking her out, society, blah, and then her response, which just blows my brains, is this at the end of it, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And I'm always just like, who the heck is this young girl that she could say yes? I'm like... Now, something that just, I don't know, kept messing with my head this week is we see Jesus do the exact same thing in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? So Mary's processing all this, knowing what the angel was saying is going to lead to probably death, very likely death, minimum kicked out from the family, horrible life for all time. Because you'd walk around, every time you walk through the town, everyone's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And it just led me to think this real similar thing that Jesus says. And again, I'm saying, I wonder how much of Jesus' humility and, and patience and gentleness he gets from Mary. I know he gets it from God, but also from his mum, right? He's fully God. He's fully human. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, you see Jesus doing the same thing. It's like he literally says to God, I do not want to go to the cross, remember? Not my will. And then he says what Mary's saying, but your will. It's like Jesus says, I don't want to go to the cross. Are you crazy? And again, it's not the crucifixion and the pain and all that. He's not worried about that. It's big becoming our sin. It's bearing our evil, right? <laughs> Making it possible for us to connect with God. That's what he doesn't want. But he says, but not my will, but your will be done. Same kind of thing. And I can just see Jesus saying that, man, I am your servant, God. But what do you want to happen? And again, I'm like, man, growing up with Mary, who's just so humble and patient, how much of that did Jesus absorb? How much was just him because he was born from Mary? But growing up, how much did he see here? Not just this one verse, right? But living out this the sacrificial life of humility before God and serving Him and no matter what God wanted. and uh, I just find Mary amazing, right? Absolutely amazing. Um, I'd never seen this next bit before and I was um, reading around and, and this hit me and I was just like, man, it's like, it like, it's like the birth of Christ gets more and more humble or slash horrible the more you dig into it, right? This message to Mary and no husband and they turn up in Bethlehem and there's no room. And that would just be horrible in a society of hospitality. And then you get this verse that, I, again, I hadn't seen it until I dig, dug into it. Um, Luke 2.7, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Um, I just found that amazing. So in Jewish culture, the thought of a woman giving birth by herself 
you'd never have that, ever. That, that's insane. You would always have a midwife. And you've seen that in the Old Testament, right? Midwives are just legit. There's always midwives. If there wasn't a midwife, there'd be so many women around, family women, you know, hot towels and scissors or whatever they do. Movies? No, you with me? On movies, they're always like hot towels. I'm like, what's that? Water, hot towels. But you look at this verse, and it's really clear. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly. And it just made me go, oh, man, this is not the cool birth that I imagine Mary had wanted, but... I'm the Lord's servant. I'm just like, man, how humble and, and awesome is she? Man, I, I love this little quote. Here, this is um, over a, a couple of... Oh, I'll just say one more thing before I, I jump to the quote. That, that just really shook me again. This is the humility of Mary, right? Um, so two other little points, and I'm just going to kind of zip over these real quick. Um, I, I don't have time to get into the whole cave thing, but we've talked about that heaps, right? And the whole reality that... Again, God could have chosen anywhere for Jesus to be born. Why would he choose, and I'm going to use the word crap, so if you want to complain, feel free to email me. Why would he choose a crappy animal stall? Seriously, he could have at least made it in a really nice family home, right? But because of the way Jesus is born, without a dad, right? Mary and Joseph are kicked out. One of the things that just blows me away is, what does Jesus' first breath taste like? Animal crap. <laughs> I'm like, this is God, creator of the universe. Why? And again, it's because he's humble. <laughs> Just blows me away. This quote talks about, about some of this. There's two, two slides. Here's the first one. That Mary wrapped the child herself points to a lonely birth. That he was laid in a manger has traditionally been taken to mean that Jesus was born in a stable. He may have been, but it's also possible that the birth took place in a very poor home where the animals shared the same roof as the family. So I think you guys know, in a lot of um, real, real poor Jewish people's houses, they were absolutely tiny, and the animals were on this, just the dirt floor, and then there was a slightly elevated um, platform where the family lived. No rooms or anything. This is where they did all their cooking, sleeping, eating, everything, right? And the reason was because in Israel it snows, it's freezing in winter. And so by having the animals in as well, it kept it a little bit warm, right? But again, it's, it's pretty nasty. And here's the, um, the second part of it. A tradition going back to Justin, so Justin Martyr, early hundreds, right? Um, says it occurred in a cave, and this could be right. Some have thought that the birth took place in the open air, possibly the courtyard of an inn, that being where a manger would likely be. We do not know. We know only that everything points to, points to poverty, obscurity, and even rejection. There was no place for them in the inn. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was um, sitting in the cafe the other day, kind of quietly crying away, because I was like, man, how filled with hatred do you have to be to be looking into a courtyard, maybe, watching a woman giving birth, and you're in the inn? I was like, what is up with that? And it, it just shows you again the, that ostracization, I'm trying to say the word, that Mary experienced. You imagine coming into Bethlehem with people looking down their very long noses at you. It's insane, right? I just can't imagine. If any of us, we're nice people. You people on video, no one really knows. Nah. None of us, if we were in a room and we saw a woman having, giving birth in a courtyard or we heard through the grapevine she was giving birth in a cave or something, we'd... We're going crazy. It's not like we can't find a corner of our room for this pregnant woman to give birth and lay her child. But, and again, I'm, I'm real confident that a lot of this was going through Mary's head while the angel's speaking because she knows what's coming. She knows her culture. She knows her society. I just, 
I don't know. Breaks my heart, man. Oh, no, I can see in your eyes it hits you guys, eh? Um, so the last little point here is the, the shepherds. And again, I don't have time to go into the whole detail of it, but it always cracks me up. It's like, I've talked about this heaps, right? The, the, other than lepers and the unclean, which is people with um, diseases that are easy to be contract, contracted, detected, whatever. Um, other than them, the lowest part of society is shepherds, right? And part of it is because they're just real shady. And there's these funny stories where every time shepherds, because they moved around all the time, so there's no paddocks like we have. They just move and follow the seasons and stuff. And there's all these funny stories from Jesus' time where as the shepherds would move through a town and carry on, everyone would be like, where's my wallet? Watch, what happened to the PlayStation? Where's the TV gone? It's like those stinking shepherds. And they were just well known for having sneaky hands and stuff, right? Um, And as I've said before, so they're not allowed to testify in court. So if you, because in court there's got to be two witnesses, neither of them could be shepherds because shepherds are the lowest of the low. They're shady, sneaky people with shady hands, right? And it just blows my brains. Of all, again, God chose stuff, right? Of all the people that God chose to be the first witnesses to the birth, He chose us the bottom of society. Why? There's heaps of cool people rocking around Israel that it could have been like an angel appeared and stars and all that stuff, but He chose. The, the shady shepherds. I was thinking about it this morning when I was thinking over this. I was like, I wonder if somewhere deep in Mary's heart she was like, this is the son of God, isn't it? When she had the baby, isn't it? Surely something special. Because he just looked like a baby. It's not like he came out and he was glowing or came out walking. Shot Mary, great birth. Thanks for that. You know, He's just a normal baby covered in blood and all the grossness. But I thought, I wondered if in her heart she was like, but maybe... Now, something special will happen, because he's God. And the next minute, the bottom rung of society comes bouncing in, stinking of sheep poo, and like, hey, Mary, how's it going? We saw the star. Oh, my gosh. And we're like, what is... Oh, crazy. Oh, I thought that was funny. You guys, not so much. All right. Um, okay, so I, I, the big question I was trying to kind of pull apart about this week is, um, of all the ways God could have come to the planet, why did he choose this way? Why this lowly and humble? Um, and I've just got two little real quick reasons here. Here's the first one. Jesus always embodies or lives out who he wants us to be, right? Always. Jesus never calls us to be something that he hasn't already lived out or hasn't exhibited. He never says to us, hey, you guys should be really humble when he wasn't humble. You guys should be really loving when he, he always lives that out, right? Um, so I just want to kind of give you this challenge. I don't know. How could you be just a little more like Jesus <laughs> this season, maybe, right? Heaps of you are the most humble people I've ever met, right? The most gentle, the most patient people I've ever met. But all of us can be a little more like Jesus. So Jesus lived out massive humility through his whole life. What's one thing you could change in your life to just replicate the humility, the the patience, the love of Jesus a little bit more? This season, maybe. And here's the last thing. And there's heaps of reasons why Jesus came in this humble way, but... These are just two. This is the, the other one that always jumps straight into my head. The whole message of the Bible is that all are called, all are welcome to come to God. Um, and you guys have heard this a bunch, right? If Jesus had been born in a palace where he should have been, no one could get in, right? But he's born in a barn or a cave. <laughs> Anyone is welcome. And that's the message of the whole Bible is God saying, man, I just love you crazy, messed up humans so much. And then when Jesus comes, it's in a way that is like, you're all welcome. <laughs> Come in the barn, you know. It's like sweep some poo aside and pull up some straw. I just love that, that humility, eh? I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, 
Um, but wherever you are, God always calls us deeper in, right? You know, the C.S. Lewis at the end of the Narnia series, deeper in, deeper in. Um, I just encourage you, what's one thing? Again, just one thing. One little thing. What's one thing you could be changing this season, eh? To just become more like God. Draw yourself closer to God, right? I want to finish with this quote from um, Martin Luther. This is a pretty of a grunty quote. So this is Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr. This is a pretty grunty quote, but I just love this. So let me finish with this. Uh, Martin Luther wrote, The Son of God did not want to be seen and found in heaven. Therefore he descended from heaven into this humility and came to us in our flesh, laid himself into the womb of his mother. <laughs> that blows my mind. And into the manger and went on to the cross. This was the ladder that he placed on earth so that we might ascend to God on it. This is the way you must take. <laughs> I just love that, eh? And one of the whole reasons that Jesus came so humbly, lived so humbly, is because he invites us into that humility, right? Not in a power, but in love. And man, You guys know. Hey, it's let's stand and, and pray. The Almighty God, we're... We're in awe of you, always. <laughs> but man, I'm just so in awe, God, of Mary. What a, an amazing, humble woman, eh? Um, so quick to say, I'm the Lord's servant, not, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Angel, you might be missing some, some kind of societal things here, bro. I could be stoned, my family. What, could you compare to my mom and dad as well? And when you appear to Joseph, there's just none of that. She's just like, yep, you're God, God, whatever you want, uh, just her acceptance and her humility. Um, yeah, just incredible, God. Eh? We, we want to be more humble in our lives. We want to be more patient and gentle. We want to think of others as better than ourselves, as Paul says in Philippians, God. But we're pretty useless at doing that without you. We're pretty good at being kind of arrogant and desirous of getting our own way. Um, yeah, so I, I just pray um, that you would use these cool verses we looked at this morning, these quotes, to just keep speaking to us this week, God. Um, we're here not to look cool or anything stupid like that. We're here because we just want to be a bit more like Jesus, eh? Yeah, so speak to us, eh, this week. How can we um, replicate more the humility of Christ? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.